0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to news that's going to be moving markets over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means a previewing results from a UK-listed bank that was once held for being smart enough to avoid the worst ravages of the financial crisis, only then to be hit with a hefty penalty from US watchdogs for alleged sanctions busting. We'll also preview the latest growth numbers from Britain and America and how it might affect your portfolio and your investment outlook. And finally, we'll find out what this has to do with Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg a little later on. Don't worry, it's not your phone. I'm joined in the studio by Simon English, Deputy Business Editor of the Times, Harry Wilson, our City Editor, and Nick Files, our Technology and Communications Editor. And on the line from New York, the Times US Business Editor, Alexandra Freen. Harry... Let's begin with you. I mean, Standard chartered, full year results, as we said at the start, it might have avoided some of the worst fallout in the crisis. uh, But since then, it hasn't been an easy time for shareholders. Do you think this time there's going to be some better news?
0: I sincerely doubt it. I think, if anything, this could be uh, an idea for the bank. Um, Most expectation is that this is going to be a pretty shocking set of results. Uh, Whether they're the worst to come, I suppose investors would hope so. But given the shares uh, this month have hit a 30-year low, that seems unlikely. Certainly the market seems to be of the view that uh, things might be about to get a whole lot worse for Standard Chartered.
1: Is that because they had an overexposure to the Asia-Pacific markets? We once hailed them as being the clever bank, didn't we? Now that seems to have gone badly wrong. Are they too far down that alley, do you think?
0: I suppose the point is, in the last financial crisis, Standard Chartered had no exposure in the places where everything was going wrong and had exposures in everywhere, everything looked absolutely rosy. What you can see now quite clearly is they're in all the places people don't want someone to be, namely China. Uh, Not only that, but they also, uh, just for uh, good luck, they've also got the largest commodities exposure of any of the UK banks. So throw that all into the mix together and it looks a pretty uh, bleak picture for them.
2: Simon? I think it's a very interesting uh, tale, what's happened with Standard Chartered, and it's the kind of the old lesson. Every time uh, the city thinks that a bank is being particularly clever, uh, which, with the view of Standard Chartered for a long time, you can almost be certain that disasters are around the corner. The um, share price performance has been shocking. And uh, I I saw the other day um, my uh, old mate Ian Gordon at Investec, who... uh, uh, well, his job is to be bullish on banks. He's telling his clients to buy shares in every bank apart from Standard Chartered. So it it doesn't really look like uh, things are going to get better there anytime soon.
1: Alex, uh, so let me bring you in on the line from New York because obviously they were Standard Chartered have had their own problems in in America. A tough market for anyone to track. What's their reputation like now on Wall Street?
3: Well, I wouldn't say it's very stellar. They got dinged by regulators to do with money laundering, uh, and in particular with transactions with Iran in 2012. Um, had to pay a fine of three hundred and forty million dollars, and then two years later, after that, they got dinged again with another three hundred million dollar fine, but from the same New York regulator again for um, failure to put in place proper anti-money laundering procedures. So that's not great, and it doesn't it doesn't really fit in with the reputation of the bank as being clever to be to be got on the same issue, you know, two years in a row, or well, four years in a row.
0: Alex is absolutely right here. I mean, uh, it, things could even be worse than this because. Uh, as we know the monitors who were actually put in by the US government after these fines then subsequently have found even more problems with basically their anti-money laundering systems and the expectation is that that could lead to another fine you know some of the analyst numbers if you look at the more dire predictions are for another two billion dollars of penalties so uh, you know even on that front things are going wrong for them.
1: But they've had a change of management haven't they? they brought in Bill Winters do you think that given time I mean certainly if you're a shareholder now and there are a lot of private investors in there do you think you'd be holding on
0: well bill winters is very well regarded so um certainly in terms of uh any bit of bounce you could get from having good management, they've probably got that. But then again, if you, if you look this week, um, they've actually now got a, one of London's largest hedge funds shorting them. And uh, from what I'm told, I think others might be about to join that trade if the share price recovers and they see a bit more profit in a, another fall. So my, my guess is um, this probably isn't one to, to sit on and hold for any time if, if you're looking for any type of medium term return.
1: And certainly not for a decent night's sleep. Simon, moving on to the economy, the broader picture of which obviously banks are a very important part. We've got revision numbers from America and and Britain, but looking at at Britain first, we've heard so much more. This is the second revision, obviously, to the GDP numbers, but take into account what we've heard from Governor Mark Carney, from the OECD cutting growth forecast for the G7. Do you expect that this will be perhaps we'll look back and say this was good growth in the fourth quarter and now we're looking at a slowdown?
2: It does begin to feel like that, doesn't it? I think for most people the notion that that the good days are... Are behind us. It's hard to get your head around because they didn't seem like they were that good, but I think it, it does feel like there is uh, a slowdown coming, and it feels like that slowdown is going to accelerate if uh, if that metaphor isn't too too mixed. Uh, yeah, I must admit I'm somewhat nervous about what they're going to tell us next week, Harry. From the point of view of looking at the, the city wide, do you ever feel? I mean, you've been looking at markets
1: a lot recently. That actually some of this is priced in. We've seen a lot of volatility, but the fact is that people do as simon said is kind of reconcile to the fact that the growth is not going to be great and, and in particular in, in wages which affects us all
0: well the, the the fall in the bank share prices is inextricably linked with people's uh, growth expectations banks often tend to be the kind of canaries in the coal mine when it comes to sort of the economic outlook so it's no surprise that when uh, the global growth looks like it's going to be getting a lot weaker we see the banks trading off well probably not quite as substantially as it has but um, you certainly see them sort of uh, falling on the back of that that type of thing. You know, into the mix as well with this, you've got the spectra of negative rates. There is a sort of growing school of opinion that even the UK might go down that path. And if you start getting into a world where you know, a substantial amount of the world's developed markets are basically in negative rates, well, that is absolutely dire for the banking system, which essentially re- requires a, uh, a healthy um, interest rate to make a, a decent return.
1: Well, I was going to ask both of you, you first, Harry, about liquidity. The whole point, negative interest rates. Banks are meant to have built this safety buffer, aren't they? That in the event of a next crisis, they've got these convertible bonds, various instruments that are almost cash, if not all cash, to help them uh, weather a downturn. Some people have said that's not enough. Sir John Vickers, not least the the architect of banking reform, says the Bank of England hasn't gone far enough. Is that the view in the market, that there could be a liquidity crisis?
0: I I think actually the view in the market is, pretty much the diametric opposite of uh, Sir John. The the market view essentially is that banks actually have far too much liquidity. So banks are required now by law to maintain what we call liquidity buffers. Essentially what that means is they've got lots and lots of uh, things on their balance sheet which they could sell in a hurry if they needed the cash. The bank's view is that because they have to have these liquidity buffers, that actually means there's less liquidity in the actual market to actually do the things that we like banks to do, like uh, lending. So the market view couldn't really be more opposed to Sir John. What
1: about you, Simon? You saw um, the Bank of England actually took the unusual step, putting out a late-night statement, didn't they, to rebut Sir John's criticisms, if you like, that they weren't moving far enough. I mean, that was an unusual situation, wasn't it? In The the bank, A, rarely puts out a statement, and B, Sir John Vickers was originally the Bank of England's chief economist. He knows how the the system works, if you like.
2: You would hope that he knows what he's talking about. That kind of stuff, uh, uh, with the Bank of England getting itself into, that kind of tears, again, it is concerning, I think. The bank is completely in control of everything and nothing's supposed to surprise it. Whatever happens, what you want is the bank to be clear that it knew this was going to happen. Plainly, it doesn't even know what Sir John Vickers thinks at the moment. It is nerve-making, I would Would say.
1: Would you say, then, that the central bank, led by Mark
2: Carney, is out of step with the city? I think it has been for as long as Mark Carney's been there. I think Carney's not, not that popular in the city. One reason for that is simply that he's so open about what he thinks the whole time that that he's put economists out of work. So they don't like him for that reason. I I think that there is a confidence issue with him, given how often he has speculated uh, that interest rates are going to go up and how often he has then had to backtrack. Um, I do think there is a confidence issue in terms of what the city... Thanks for the Governor.
1: Alex, over there in New York it's a slightly different picture, isn't it, for the Fed the, the growth numbers, I mean they're not fantastic, one might even call them anemic for America, but it does still seem to be plowing its own furrow rather well.
3: Well, well here's the difference between the, the UK and the US you know, economic growth sort of screeched to a halt in the end of last year, um, the first estimate of GDP growth for um, the fourth quarter of 2015 was, was horribly low, 0.7% we're just about to get the, the second estimate, which will probably s- show a similar number. But when that number came out, shares went up and everybody said we expect growth to pick up in the first quarter of 2016. And you look today, most of the economists are estimating growth above 2% in the first quarter of 2016. So that's a very different picture to the UK. You know, Markets here are, are completely spooked by global events, but the underlying economic data is not all that bad we're still seeing jobs growth we're still seeing consumer business spending so you know there there are weaknesses in the manufacturing and the oil sector but it's it's a very different picture
1: you better watch out we might be coming over to join you there sounds better than over here alex and finally that ringtone heralds the start of the annual mobile world congress in barcelona and mark zuckerberg is due to make the keynote speech you see we do tie everything in nick files you're going to be there in barcelona one giant jamboree or does it have a serious purpose
4: uh it is a jamboree there is a serious purpose though this time uh, usually this is a place where you show off your latest and greatest uh gadgets phones whatever it is uh, you've got to show uh but this time we're entering it like the broader economic situation you're talking about uh, with Apple going into decline for the first time and generally the mobile phone industry struggling to, I guess, find its soul. So why, why do we need to buy a new phone? So more than, oft, more than usual, this one is critical for, for the industry. Why is someone like Mark Zuckerberg come to it? It's easy to think of something called the Mobile World Congress being just about mobile phones, but everything's mobile now. I mean, I've uh, seen some estimates that on mobile networks, Facebook accounts for about fifty percent of the traffic. Yet Facebook don't pay for that. Um, so he's in a way going there to put an olive branch across to the industry, and uh, basically say what, what he's got in store. Why are people going to continue using his website and someone else's? Not well, you, someone you, else's.
1: you mentioned Apple there, and mm-hmm. and, and the fall is the, the first fall in something like did you say thirteen years. We've reached almost saturation point, haven't we? And the fact that the economies we were just talking about, the UK and the US in particular, are consumer-led economies. Surely they Mm. play, these mobiles and other gadgets play a huge part in mobile growth and consumption.
4: Absolutely. But the big story is not so much the UK, where growth has been fairly stable for some time, because everybody obviously has well, at least one mobile phone, usually two if they ever work one. It's China, uh, in that the last five years, everybody's just been having a feeding frenzy out there. As, uh, that's come off the boil, and that's causing a huge headache.
1: What's the picture like over in America, Alex? You've got an Apple?
3: Yes, I have, um, and I love it. And I will try and get the next new one when it comes out, because I'm a complete um, Apple fan. And, um, you know, despite what everyone says about Apple, I think it's, it's, it's too soon to be too worried about them. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I think what's interesting about this event next week is that uh, this is the chance for everybody else to react to Apple. Samsung's going to release the S7, that's a hugely critical one for them because the last three flagship phones they've had have been have been pretty disappointing and with Apple looking slightly weaker than normal this is possibly an opportunity to get a little bit back.
1: Are you an Apple fan Simon? Reluctantly yes. I suspect you might be a BlackBerry
2: man underneath all uh, this. Yeah, it's funny you should say that I do prefer BlackBerry. Uh, I would like to dislike Apple just because it's such a just huge company But I can't help but admit that the phones are brilliant and I'm on it all of the time for both work and leisure reasons. Isn't that the point, though, Harry? Microsoft once,
1: Bill Bill Gates was heralded as a geek and a a wonder genius. These companies provide what people want and they do work. I'm not saying forever, but they do work at the time. That's why they're popular.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we now have this, you know a couple of years ago all you could hear about was BRICS that was Brazil, Russia, India, China Uh, these days uh, all you can hear about is fangs, and that's Facebook, Amazon, Netflix and Google and it it all really feels like a bit like a sort of blast of the past uh, back to the nifty 50 uh, for those who know it of uh, the 60s, 70s where so much of growth was basically premised around a sort of a relatively small group of companies these days it's actually even smaller and so much of uh, what we see in terms of the market drivers these days is really actually down to an incredibly small basket of stocks which um, have the slightly unfortunate uh, acronym now of, of, of FANGs.
1: I'll remember that one. Did you know that one, Nick? Yes, absolutely. And you never imparted it to me. Well, there we are. <laughs> and don't forget, please, uh, everybody, that uh, Nick will be there. And, of course, he'll be tweeting and reporting online on the iPad and at Twitter. And don't forget the paper, too. Well, that's just about it for now. But do remember, you can keep up to date with all those results and the conferences uh, at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona as they happen on our website If you're a Times subscriber, you can sign up to the daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you don't have a subscription, we have that £1 offer. So do take advantage of it at thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Nick Files, Harry Wilson, Simon English, and, of course, over in New York, Alexandra Freen. They are on Twitter, as I said, so do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for downloading. To discover more,
2: head to thetimes.co.uk.